They're all saving one, or most of them, most of the Hampshire fielders are saving one. Somerset need one run. It's Edwards to Hildreth. He's there and bowls Hildreth, and he gets the run away through the onside, and Somerset have won. They've won the Royal London One Day Cup. Good evening, you're listening to Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. This is the Somerset Cricket Podcast. My name's Ian Shepherd. Joining me this evening, I've got Steve Tancock, Dan Kingdom and the voice of cricket on BBC Radio Somerset, Anthony Gibson. And we're recording this or a few days after Somerset lost up at Edgbaston to Warwickshire, which sealed their fate in the Royal London One Day Cup, unable to progress to the quarterfinals with a team, although young and spirited, was decimated by call-ups to the other place. Steve, a slightly arbitrary nature to the sides that progressed and were stuck in the group stages. It it pretty much depended on how much of your side was called up to the 100, what you were left with, any potential COVID isolations. Yeah. So re- really to pass judgment on any team's campaign is, is going to be slightly fickle and, and not really worth doing, I suppose. But... I suppose the, the team that the team did blood a number of young players who all did very well though. But to generally bemoan the fact that we didn't qualify isn't really something that 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 holds water. Given what I just said about not being in control of who we lose and who we have, I think I think we learned quite a lot from the competition. Um, I think we learned that Ben Green is was missed when he was self-isolating um i think that we learned that our young fast bowlers are impressing people all over the country seeing as that uh sonny got a rocket up to nottingham a day or so after the competition finished and i think that we learned as you just said ian and, and i've been following like dan been following the, the knockout phase quite closely and when you see the teams and listen to the commentary, it's pretty obvious that the teams that have progressed are ones that haven't been very hard hit, you know, two or three call-ups to the other place rather than seven, eight, nine, ten. And that's not in any way to make excuses, but I think I probably am guilty of being a bit over-optimistic and having my maroon and black spectacles on when with competition started. And I was like, yeah, we can, we can do this. And wiser councils were saying it's going to be really tough and it was really tough Uh, to me the the defining thing was ben green's isolation i think we would have won at least one of those games i really like the way he captained the side and i know people say well we lost to edgbaston in fact we didn't make a lot of difference we lost to edgbaston because we after a beautifully paced part first 40 overs cocked it up in the last 10 overs with for want of a better you know, we should have been out of sight. They should have been chasing 320-plus in that game. And that 40 runs is a big swing in, in a 50-over game on a pitch like that. Yeah. I think, although, with the side that we thought we were going to have during the championship phase of the season, before we knew that Smead and DeLanger were going to be called up and injuries to Jack Brooks and, like you say, about Ben Green's forced <laughs> self-isolation, we were looking at... A little bit of a different side. I think I remember when we were talking about uh, Casey Aldridge, Sonny Baker and old Ned Leonard about rotating one of those into a spot and 
having Josh Davey, Jack Brooks, Marchant, um, Lewis Goldsworthy as a spinner, and, and Ada, Ben Green as and well. Ben Green. Having that as our bowling attack, I don't think we ever envisaged we'd have to play all three of them in one game due to two injuries and late call-ups. Um, you you were up at Edgbaston on uh, oh god when was it now? It feels like a long while ago. Thursday. Thursday. You were up there, yeah, Edgbaston Thursday. Anthony, what did you make of that that final performance and uh, also the loss to Leicestershire? Well, I didn't see the loss to Leicestershire, although I watched it on the on the live stream. Um, and it seemed to me that as, rather as in the game against Northampton, when it came to the bowling, we didn't have much of a plan, or if there was a plan, we weren't we weren't bowling to it. And I think that that was partly down to inexperience on the part of the bowlers, um, and partly down to the fact that I don't think Josh Davies is one of nature's captains. You know, I don't think that's what he was <laughs> designed for. And I agree with Steve. We we really miss Ben Green uh, as an all rounder, and but most of all. As a, because that side really did play, play for him. He's a he's a lovely bloke, um, and and he and Paul Tweddle, the coach, you know, really really got that the most out of out of that young side. Um, but yeah, we didn't get enough runs, and in, in, uh, we had the opportunity to do so. But um, it's you know it, it's not it's not the lower middle order that we're used to at Somerset. You know, when you've got Gregory coming in at seven and Craig Overton and eight you know and then Josh Davey coming in at number nine I mean that's you know serious firepower down down the order which which we didn't have and, and Warwickshire you know bowled, bowled pretty well as well and um, I had rather mixed feelings about it I mean I was you know if if, um, if Glamorgan had beaten Yorkshire you know we if we and and we'd won. We could be through, and I I could have spent today at uh, Chester the Street <laughs> rather than rather than being on holiday in North Devon. But um, no, I thought I thought the whole campaign. I think they 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 did themselves more than justice. I don't, I thought I thought the young players did really well, and it was very interesting. You know, talking talking to Paul Tweddle, I I asked him whether he thought they'd actually overperformed. Given, given the the number of losses to to the hundred, he said, "Well, you know, I would have said that, but um, you know, maybe at the start of of the campaign. But having come so close and working so so closely with this group group of players, he knew how disappointed they were in the final analysis, as he was, and as Ben Green was, especially, not to have made it. You know, it was it was so near, and yet so far. But it was it was glorious, gallant." promising failure from which great things come in the future yeah what did you make of it all Dan yeah I mean I agree with everything Anthony said um I think yeah Leicestershire it was sort of the bowling that lost it it was you know we they were what one four six for four Leicestershire and then I mean it the over that lost it was that Delanger over wasn't it it was sort of 29 I think off it and it wasn't just that there was a you know he bowled badly and other overs and I think Leonard struggled a bit as well to be honest but as you've been saying all along that it'll all be a learning experience for Leonard and the others you know um, and that's that's you know not the most important thing from this tournament because we all did want to win it but that is a positive we can take because um, they'll all be better bowlers for it you know Aldridge uh, has bowled well at times struggled at times Baker the same um, but you know it will have accelerated their their learning a bit. Um, which is a good thing. So, 
you know, the, the question now is how they progress. I mean, Baker's already progressed into the hundred. He might get, he might even get a game in the championship um, later this season. So, yeah, there's a lot of positives positives to take, and I think most of all, Goldsworthy as well. How he's done in this competition, four four fifties in mm. seven innings. You know, he's he's really exceeded expectations. I think. Mm. Um, you know, he looks a really promising player. He's got the gears to go through, and he's been economical with the ball as well. Um, so yeah, he's really sort of coming of age. I think maybe coming of age is a bit far, but you know, he's he's sort of really really pushing on. I think. Um, yeah, he finished off his seventy-nine up at Edgewood City. It's a shame that he couldn't convert one of those fifties into a hundred, but I don't think that mm. takes anything away from a superb campaign that he's had. And I don't think yeah. uh, Paul Tweddle and Andy Hurry are going to be in Gordon Holland's office being read the right at because they failed to defend the Royal London Cup. As you've all said, I think the guys have come through with tremendous credit, um, being uh, being shorn of. Well, I've lost count of how many ended up moving with Sonny Baker and Marchant and and all that towards the end. A um, couple of negatives, though. Um, Eddie Byram lost his place for the Warwickshire <laughs> game after pretty poor game against Leicester. I think they his, his dismissal couldn't have been... If you said to him, give him a slip catch, he couldn't have done it any more perfect just to pick... Um, Mm. Uh, pick him out at, was it sort of a two and a half third slip and mm. and then late on in, in the run chase there was a bit of a misfield in front of the caddy shack that went for four and I thought maybe this it's difficult to see how he gets back in the side uh, for the rest of the season and I've got this image of him sort of standing on the platform at Taunton Station while the train goes by with all the youngsters on that's my sort of you know and because I just I uh, I'm really disappointed in him. Really disappointed. Um, and you know, when Sam Young was given the tournament, and okay, he didn't make significant runs, but as Dan said, he'll have benefited from that experience. Given the way Somerset like to have the pathway work, and if you had to make a straight choice between the two at the moment, I think Eddie's in mm. real peril myself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, yeah. I mean, he's had every chance, hasn't he? In you know, in 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 all three forms of, mm. of the game, he's been given every opportunity, and he you know he hasn't, apart from the century at Lords um, in the bog with us last season, he, you know he just he just hasn't done it. And the, and really, the Royal London was his big chance because we needed mm. someone in that number six batting position who could provide the acceleration. Um, and and hit some you know some some big shots, um, and he just you know he just didn't do it. And it's such a shame because he's such a lovely bloke, and uh, you know I think everybody in Somerset wants him to succeed, but you know there's only so many chances he he can have, and I still think he will make it as a cricketer, as a first class cricketer in this country. But I'm afraid it won't be with Somerset. I think he'll have to move, move elsewhere. Mm. Yeah, and um, I think the one the one thing that we haven't done is bat him again in the middle order in the championship since that Bob Wallace Trophy century, you know. But I, I don't think there's going to be a chance to do it before the season, and it just feel before the end of the season, and it just feels like it's not really worth keeping him on just to find out whether we can do it in the middle order. But maybe I think another team, yeah, as Anthony said, another team might take him on, and um, you know he might get a go in the middle order somewhere else and have a bit of success build on that. Bob Willis um, final um, and the other point I was just going to make is that 
you know, we've got we've had batters who've come in since so Lammers and Goldsworthy and Banton who have just overtaken him and Smead as well, perhaps even though Smead's not even played in the championship yet. You know, other Thomas young well. guys have overtaken like him. Well, yeah. well. well, that's on um, two innings and that's you haven't really extrapolated too much on that. But yeah, he's just he's a bit older than some of the other guys and he's been overtaken, which is a shame. Mm-hmm. The problem is, Dan, he's not given us anything to even hang on to. If he'd have made seventy five with Bartlett in that Leicestershire game instead of Thomas, you'd have said, oh, well, yeah, maybe there's a glimmer there, you know? Yeah. But the other person, I've, and I said it last week on the podcast, and you guys said he thought I was being unfair, but I'm really disappointed in Marchant. And as Dan said, that over, it was just mayhem against Leicestershire. Mm-hmm. I was actually quite relieved when he went back to play for the hula hoops or the swirls or whatever. Oh, and skips, I know it's a horrible Steve, thing to... The skips. Oh, sorry, I'm not up so... I'm showing my ignorance. But no, no, I'm not being nasty, but as, as we said, we needed Delanger, Brooks, Green and Davey yeah. to, all, to all bowl a large number of overs. Yeah, And you got to the point where you were thinking, Sonny Baker's our better bet than Martin Delanger in this game. And that's quite... Yeah, March, I don't know why. Martin's at his best when he's 91, 92 mile an hour, toes or teeth. That's when he's, yep. like, he's at his best in one-day cricket and didn't see a lot of that. There was quite a few in the slot. He didn't look yeah. quite as if he was bowling his normal speed. He looked down on pace. Um, I don't know if he was obviously been up and down the country playing with the with the 100 and then back to Somerset and then back into the 100. So I don't know if he was a little bit tired, but yeah, I completely agree. I think he'd had a late night, Ian, because he drove to Nottingham and stretch Wahab Ria's hamstrings or whatever so he could get back inside up there. I think that's what the problem was. Yeah, I mean, even when he was with Glamorgan, um, he was he could be very expensive uh, early on and in the middle overs. And then, he, then he'd come, you know, and bowl really well at, at the death. And that's really what he's done, done for Somerset. But he doesn't seem in those middle overs to have much of an idea what he's trying to do, you know, because he's not bowling, he's not bowling the, the Yorkers that he does at, at, at the death. Um, and too many of them, you know, and he, he'll let it go down leg side and, uh, mm. he's, uh, you know, again, he's such a lovely bloke. <laughs> that, um, and very, very popular with, with the group and a great sort of uh, morale booster uh, within the, uh, within the, the, the team. It would be good to see him perform consistently to his potential. You know, he's done it in bursts, um, particularly in the in the T20 at the death, where he, uh, you know, really showed what he could do. But he hasn't really produced in the championship, for being honest, mm-hmm. uh, other than in very small doses. And he had his had his chance to, you know, to be the leader of the attack in the in the Royal London when he when he was there, and he didn't really take it. Which I'm saying it now. He's got to perform at Scarborough for me because if there's a pitch that's made for March at the Langer, it's Scarborough. Yeah, yeah. And if he doesn't perform there, I am going to be getting quite annoyed and unhappy. I think I think that's his defining game of the season. If he plays, although I suppose if Overton may be missing, he makes it makes it more likely he'll play. Yeah. One he's, fellow. I who, mean, he's a oh, free. He's a spirit march, and, and you know, um, he doesn't take the game too seriously. And if it comes off, it comes off, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. And he's, you know, he's much the same bloke, you know, in either, in either eventuality. 
Yeah, that can be a benefit or a curse, that sort of attitude, can't it? Mm. One fella who was struggling a bit and then came good was George Bartlett. Um, Yay! (laughs) Steve's got a a very wide smile on at the moment. Uh, I have as well. I was fortunate enough to be there uh, to watch George's 100 and that excellent partnership he had with his uh, namesake, George Thomas. Impressed me that he paced his innings very slowly towards the start and then it was almost just boom a switch flicked and he was smashing it out the park every other ball it was just incredible um such a mature and a mature knock for a guy who was out of form and also batting with uh, George Thomas as well who I guess he would have to be sort of shepherding along who was he was making mm-hmm. his debut i just wonder sometimes if you're in that that senior role it just Boosts your own confidence a little bit that you have to I, I be the guy a, to help. I think help it was the fact he wasn't through. actually concentrating on his own batting in a lot mm. to begin with. I think he was like, right, I've got to look after this guy, and then yep. he suddenly realised, like you said, he was what thirty, wasn't he? And then, as you say, the switch got flicked, and oh, I'm enjoying this again. I, I really hope it's the spark that you know we won't see him again now till the championship because I don't think he'll play next week, but. I think there's a twos game next week, so we might play there and hopefully get some runs. But, you know, and again, he's probably in the same as Eddie Byron. He's been looking and seeing these youngsters and seeing Smead in the 100 and thinking they've all gone past me as well, you know, and it's great. It's great to have that competition in the squad. Yeah, you need it. It's hackneyed, but form is temporary, class is permanent, and he is an absolute class and classical batsman and I love watching him bat and he he even makes slogging look elegant I imagine if David Gower had played in that sort of cricket and the way we play now that's the way David Gower would have batted in the latter overs it's high praise we talked about him walking over to off stump what he was forgetting to do was to keep going outside off stump till a short point a couple of fun where he was almost had his back foot outside the return crease and Swiping these wide Yorkers over mid wicket into the into the untouchy stand, it was it was just incredible. Just to watch that switch be flipped like that, and and him to to go crazy. You were there as well, Dan. Were you Tuesday for the, it was, the yeah. game? Yeah, it was. Yeah, brilliant. he eight sixes, didn't he? Eight sixes, which is which is a, a third of his career sixes across all formats, <laughs> all in that inning. Like, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it was it was amazing. I just couldn't believe he kept hitting sixes. It was only four yeah. fours. Like it, it was a new George Bartlett. Like it was yeah, it was quite something. Such an enjoyable partnership, him and him and Thomas. You know, Thomas at the other end as well. It was so good to see him get runs on debut. It's just you know a great feeling when you you know when one of your players comes in and just scores runs like that. What yeah, properly on. enjoyable partnership that was. Yeah. One hundred eighty-two for the sixth wicket. Bartlett one hundred eight off eighty-nine, and Thomas seventy-five off seventy-seven. And he still didn't have a squad number on. Did we ever get to the bottom of why Thomas and Drizzle haven't got squad numbers, Anthony? Did you have you been digging into that particular mystery? They're not part of the squad. Um, the first the first team squad. That's why. And I don't know why they didn't give them temporary numbers or anything like that. But just they were Anthony. They were talking on the Surrey, the Durham Surrey game today, because there was a couple of Surrey players who've played in the competition but didn't have numbers. And Mark Church in his inimitable way, so you know, surely it's not that hard to nip into the shop and get a couple of numbers and letters and put it on the back of the shirt, sort of thing. And I thought, well, yeah, okay, you're not, mm-hmm. 
you're not you weren't in the official squad but surely they all like to choose a number and to me it would sort of it'd be quite a nice yeah. thing for them to have a number i think it'd make them feel a little bit a little bit better i don't think we quite adhere to the captain uncapped and that sort of thing when we're playing white ball cricket as opposed no. to red ball cricket yeah, it almost seems like you're almost bullying them aren't you not letting them have a number <laughs> Very strange. Well, we're we're notoriously frugal with giving county caps out, aren't mm. we? So it probably is a bit of a you've got to earn it. You know, just walk into the side, play one game, and get a squad number. So, well, you can take it off them. You can give it to somebody. It's not like theirs forever, is it? Like a cap, having your number. Was J- is was James Rue in this originally in the squad as well? Yeah, he had a number. Yeah, yeah, he had, yeah, a, he had yeah. a number. He's a squad player. Yeah. Uh, but if you notice, his was printed on. So that Richard would have done it with as opposed done to what Sharpie or something. Well, no. If if you look closely, <laughs> I'm going to make it look rather foolish now, Stephen. If you look closely at some of the players' shirts, their name and number is actually printed into the fabric. I.e., it's done at the factory, right. and printed in, mm. and then someone like James Ruse would have been put on in the shop by somebody going R E W five five, and then putting it in that funny trouser press thing. And doing it that way, so just a pointless bit of trivia for you there. I kind of I forgot no, where I was kit, going with kit, that, kit that silly little kit anecdote. Nerdism yeah. always scores with me. <laughs> oh dear! Oh, who? What a, so yeah. who started dancing around about half past five tonight then? With the news that oh, Tom, Tom Abel is oh, back. Yes, he's yeah. back. <laughs> two months, oh, nearly two months to the day since he tore his hamstring in the warm-up against Glamorgan. The tweet came out that he is fit and firing and ready to go for the Birmingham Phoenix tonight. Yeah. It, just a, it, it signals my... I had my first COVID jab on the day of the Glamorgan game. And I had my second COVID jab uh, two days ago. So that's the start and the end of Tom Abel's injury. Are you saying that... Are they connected yeah, in any way, think. do you think? Is the 5G it's, in your vaccine communicating with the 5G in yeah. Tom Abel's vaccine? That's what, that's what it must be. <laughs> it must be something like that, yeah. Uh, what did you guys think about the story that sort of half broke, that if we'd have got to the quarterfinal and been home, they could possibly have played it behind closed doors for financial reasons? That I think it was it Sam Dalling came not, out with that. Not financial reasons. It was personnel reasons. Was it? Oh, sorry. They didn't have enough people, staff available to stage the game safely. That was the danger, anyway. Right. Uh, okay. Sorry. Whether it would, whether it would have gone on ahead behind closed doors, I, I don't know. But you've got a lot of people on holiday. You've got a lot of people who have been have been pinged uh, and are self-isolating. Um, and you've got to look. You know, their their staff has been quite drastically reduced in any case. And it's mm. hard to get people to come in and do that sort of work at the moment. So, yeah, it, it, there was a there was a real danger that that could that could have happened. But it wasn't it wasn't finance; it was personnel. Right. Sorry, I mis- misunderstood what Sam said. Then apologies. I think they'd have done everything they could to put it on, and they may have oh, yeah. felt like a appeal for they volunteers. Would. You know, I might have done it, like be a steward <laughs> and see the game and make. Oh, the I'd game. love that! I'd have got my own back on so many people. I uh, can't yeah. do that. Put that down. Sit down. <laughs> right, poacher turn gamekeeper. Stop having fun. Be quiet. Stop shouting. Only enough, I've got the feeling that Dan would be a far better steward than Mr. Yeah, Shepherd. I mean, I'm just... yeah, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want Ian as, as my neighbour. 
<laughs> you would never steward. have got to the commentary box, Anthony. He wouldn't no. have let you up there. <laughs> I'm, I'll be open to bribes. That's all I can say. <laughs> oh dear, what are we talking about? Yeah, Tom Abel. Yeah, great to see. Uh, great to see Abe's back, even if it is um, for the Birmingham Phoenix uh, tonight. Is he? Is he batting yet? I've not got. Um, let me fire up the hundred app. The wonderful. The other lot crashing Chris, first. Chris Lynn was smashing it to all parts when right. I looked at the score. Who's got a degree in trigonometry so I can work out what the score is? Uh, oh no, that's the women's game. Right, match centre. They're not batting yet. Hundred. Is he bold? No, he's not bold. Is that a catch? Do they not know how good he is? Well, it doesn't say he's that a catch because all it says is 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 slash uh, out slash out. Yeah, uh, you the BBC. Yeah, uh, that, that gives you the catch and the bowler. Oh, right. We'll wait. We'll wait and see if he uh, if he opens the bat with Will Smead. I think I saw he was down at five, so that could be. Uh, could possibly be where he bats. Anything else on the Royal London? Let's just refresh my mind. Who do we want to win the final? Oh, Glamorgan. What? No, Durham. I'm sort of a I'm sort of a half Glamorgan fan as well. You can see that. Is that daffodil legible there yeah, on the shirt I'm, behind me? I'm half Welsh, and the other half of me is Durham. So, or most of the oh. half of. Me. So, so I, I don't really mind who who wins. I'm just pleased that both of them have got through mm. because you know, they're not they're nice counties. I I thought Surrey were pretty much nailed on to win it, uh, even with losing so many players to England and the and the hundred. And I think um, well done Durham for for getting the better of them and well done Glamorgan as well. Yeah, mm. don't think there'll be many Welsh at Trent Bridge though. They'll all be watching the Welsh fire, Anthony. <laughs> they'll, all, they finished. they'll have spent their cricket budget on the, going, to, to going to Cardiff to watch the Welsh fire that's pretty Nottingham's pretty equidistant between Cardiff and yeah, Durham looked, isn't it right in the middle yeah it's like two and a half to two hours 45 yeah. um, for both teams so. yeah as, as anyone who's well even from even from up here going to Durham is a heck of a long way so I imagine Nottingham's probably about the same distance because it's further south than I am. But yeah, I, I'm, I actually was quite relieved for Anthony that he didn't have to go to Durham <laughs> in the last few days because I don't think that would have been a lot of fun at all. Although I might if have anything, gone it would to have Durham been, if we'd have been there. So it would have been Glamorgan, I think, if we'd finished third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that wouldn't have been too bad. Ooh. Yeah, I'm saying Glamorgan. Anthony, you're saying Glamorgan. Stephen, Dan. I'm going Durham. I'm going. I've got a bit of a soft spot for Durham. I think they they were roughly dealt with, and I think and I Durham think they... will win. I think Durham mm. will win. But but um, I'm I'm torn. I, I have Durham I, as well. Fifty-fifty oh, then. Yeah. Mm. I do. Well, best of luck to both teams uh, in the Royal Under One Day Cup, which is on Thursday. I think it's a day nitro isn't it one o'clock start and all that at Trent Bridge which is going to, actually going to be on the TV we can have a hundred we have a hundred free day for the first day in, a, in about a month watch some proper county cricket on TV at last right anything else on the Royal London One Day Cup before we pop into listeners questions and see what uh, see what we've got here I just mentioned a couple of things um, it's interesting that our group was very tight um, you know, we were seventh with eight points, and then we were only two points off the top, which is mad. And I think part of the reason for that is that 
I think our group have more teams that were hit by the hundred, and I think the other group actually have more teams which weren't that hit. You know, yep. the top yep. three, Durham, Essex, Gloucestershire, weren't really that hit that badly, and also Worcestershire and Fifth weren't hit. Lancashire were quite badly hit, but seemed to have a lot of good youngsters. So they were okay. Um, you know, Middlesex weren't that hit, but they still did quite badly. Um, I think overall, you know, it's that was sort of how it panned out, which is interesting. But I'm going to look in the next few days at the correlation between losing players to 100 and uh, how well teams did. It'd be interesting to uh, to see. So you're generally coefficient. Am I right that because that group was decided on average points per game, I think it was on the Sam's podcast that's been on every day about the Royal London, and they said that Lancashire were pit by 0.001 of a point. I think Gloucestershire, uh, sorry, Essex will... Hmm. Essex were 1.142 and Lancs were 1.141, which I find, and Ian said to mm. me, it's, it sounds astonishing. But they actually said that, and I, don't, I haven't had time or inclination to do it, but obviously Gloucestershire benefited because they had one game less, didn't they? So they're just by the pure operation of maths. But can you imagine if someone that had not qualified point, point oh, oh 0.001 of a point? That would have... Uh, Mm. <laughs> that would have made the Facebook group interesting for a couple of days. Uh, oh, it doesn't say it on Crick Info. It's only got the net run rates and actual points rather than average points. Mm. Now that can't be right. You oh can't. yeah, yeah. Crick um, the e- it's surprising. Yeah, no, the ECB has the average points, and it says uh, yeah, Gloucester one point one four, Lancashire one point one three. But yeah, it's just maths. Eight divided by seven and Ooh. nine divided by eight. There you go. There you go. Didn't do much good, then. but you're right. This, the Somerset face, no, Facebook no, group nice would have exploded tri- if we'd gone out by. Did you see what happened in the Essex point. game? Did you see what happened? Harmer hit 21 off the over. Yeah. To, and to it's an epic the failure because they needed 22 to win. He couldn't even do that properly. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, that that sent Lancashire out and lost to throw. Yeah. Uh, the pitch obviously Ooh. wasn't doctored enough for Harmer. <laughs> Right, listeners' questions then. <laughs> Scott Wilson and Steve have both asked: Is Tom Abel going to be fit for the Royal, uh, for the Vitality Blast quarterfinal? Well, let, let's not jinx it by saying as long as he gets <laughs> through this game unscathed. But as long as he gets through this game unscathed, is it their last game now? Well, he's, the, um, no, he's got the semi and maybe the final. Oh, they're in the semi final. Yeah. Oh God, wrap him up in cotton wool. But yes. <laughs> Or unless he gets called up by England, of course. Oh, that's the other thing. Well, he's not, he's not had any Red Bull cricket, Anthony. So you can't possibly call him up for the test side if he's not had any Red Bull cricket. 63 and a half in Red Bull cricket this season. I was thinking... And it never, seem, never seems to get mentioned, you know. I mean, they've, they've called up Hamid, and now they're talking about calling up... Um, what's his name? David Milan. You know, and, and Tom Abel's averaging... <laughs> You know, as good, as well as anyone in in red ball cricket, and going in against the new ball, game after game after game after game, and still getting runs, and yet he doesn't seem to get mentioned. He's you know he seems to be invisible, as far as the um, the England related commentariat are concerned. You know, mm. like have and so on of this. I, this Long may it continue as oh, far yeah. as Somerset. I think he is close. I think I think England selectors are aware of him, and I think it's just the fact that he's not had any cricket, as opposed to Malan. Malan's has some cricket at least, even if it's just a hundred. So I think Abel is close, and if he had, if he was fit, he may well have um, 
may well be in. Yeah, he might already be in the squad in the test squad. I, I cannot believe if Abel had been captaining the side that he would have allowed what happened in the first session yesterday to happen. Oh, it was dire. I think it's tactically dire. and technically he is. Uh, yeah, I know it's a pretty low bar to beat, but you know, for Joe Root to. And, you know, people were saying it was village. I think that was quite insulting to village cricket, to be honest, the way I just couldn't believe what was going on. And, you know, we were saying about people being active and passive captains. And I'd just love to hear Tom Abel bellowing out as England captain. I just, you know, I think if he if he gets in the side, he deserves to captain the side. Under the old Australian principle, if you pick a side and then pick the best captain out of that side, yeah, if he gets in the side, he should captain it because he's finally away the best captain, you know. Especially as of Joe anyone Root, in that side. Root's time is coming to an end as captain if you base it normally on a four year cycle. Mm-hmm. I test captaincy. Load him with that responsibility just yet. He, uh, if you remember what happened when he was made captain of Somerset, he didn't Ooh. score a run for three months. Because he, he takes these things very, very seriously, and I'm, I'm not sure it would do. I think he just deserves, you know, if, if he does get called up for England, let him concentrate on his, on his batting. So the the way the schedule falls for the last few test matches in relation to when the county championship games are is interesting. Um, the third test starts on Wednesday the 25th, so the day before we have our T20 quarterfinal. So in theory, if able, <laughs> this is based on England picking for the test matches on white ball form, if he scores a few runs in the 100, he could potentially be in that third test squad. If they want to wait for him to have a a white a Red Bull game before they decide whether to pick him or not, were well, the first round of county championship games back against Knots that cross yeah that crosses over with the fourth test on the last by the last day. So the first mm-hmm. day of that fourth test is the last day of the county championship game. And then that the test match then overlaps with the uh, the second game, Lancashire game. The Lancashire game. So if he was, if he were to get picked, it, and on Red Bull form, it would would only be for the fifth test. Yeah, I don't think he will be. I, I think Malan. I don't think Silverwood will pick him as long as he's got breath in his body. Exactly. Yeah. I think to be fair, I think Malan's maybe a good pick. He was good in Australia last time, mm-hmm. so you know he's good on pacey wickets. I think they so don't seem to like could be him a good though. Shot, I, I think Morgan hates his guts. Yeah, but that's the one day team. You know, who cares about that? Oh yeah, but Morgan just seems to have a lot of sway around what's going on. I'm going to put a cheeky fiver on Josh Dickeri's opening for England. Atherton Junior. Mm. Is he set the world alight for Middlesex? Was he? I think Steve he... meant long term, did you? So I don't think he scored yeah. once yet. For Middlesex. Oh, yeah. yeah, he scored. He's, I think he got a couple of forties down in the one day cup. That's about it. Mm. Okay. Yeah, let's that. let's hope that that Tom Abel is on the plane to Australia, having won the county championship, and that will convince the powers that be that he needs to go to Australia because he's made big runs in. You know, he's yeah. made 150 in the first innings at Edgbaston to set us up to win that game or win the title. There we go. I just the want... power of positive. We've <laughs> had this thing in this house for the last couple of weeks. The power of positive thinking. So there you go. The power of positive thinking. There you go. I just wonder if he might go the way of somebody like Steve James back in the 90s when he scored all those runs for Glamorgan and just couldn't get a game for England until he was out of form a season or two later. But yeah. 
Craig and Jack as well. Getting splinters in their backsides up at Lords. They've got to find a way to manage players mm. and they've got to like they, you've got to have concussion subs, fine. But there's gotta be a way you can have concussion subs while also not having players not playing for weeks and weeks mm. on end. You know. If, mm. if Craig Craig and Jack okay, that's fine. They've missed a couple of tests. They've 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 sat around for a couple of tests, fine. But they should now try and find a way to get them back playing cricket for Somerset if they're not going to be playing for England. Like, sub in a different concussion sub for a, for the next test or something. You know, they've, they've got to find a way to manage these things better because they can't claim to care about mental health and then do stuff like that, you know. And, but logically, you know, just... Dan, logically, if Moeen's playing, then Don Best should be the concussion sub. Well, yeah, but it seems like Leachy, Leachy was in the last game and I was surprised Yeah, I that, know, but, I know. Uh, yeah, yeah, it seems very daft that you'd release your off-spinner who bats a bit mm. <laughs> when you're keeping yeah. in your, your left-arm spinner who... Because Leach is a better bowler than Bess, I yeah. guess that's probably the reason. But... Trouble is, I mean, Leach, poor old Jack Leach, you know, he's he's sort of fallen out of contention now um, with mm. Moe Nally being restored to the side and... Mm. And apparently enjoying his test cricket again yeah, doesn't doesn't bode well for Jack Leach's test career. I don't think. No, Moeen was taken apart in Australia last time, so it'll be interesting to see if they pick him again. You know, for that. I mean, I think Leach would probably go on the tour. But... They were they were talking on the commentary on Sunday when they had that long partnership about how many times Leach had got Bajara out in the winter. And saying they reckon Root probably really could have done with Leach being available to bowl in that phase of the game. And Tufnell was saying about, you know, Leach gives you control and you don't always get that with Moeen and all those sorts of things. And then, of course, I think it was Agnew came back with, yeah, but Moeen can get you runs. And it's back to, you know, it's back to the old thing. They didn't used to pick Bob Taylor to keep wicket because he wasn't much of a batsman. You know, yeah. when Alan Knox retired from international cricket, I just, uh, I, every single thing about Chris Silverwood's England exasperates me at the moment. Every single thing. Yeah. I think the the argument about oh Mo, pick Moeen because he can bat. I I do see it, and I I I think it's logical to pick Moeen ahead of Bleach at the moment, given the balance of the side. But the argument when you say oh yeah we can't we've got to pick this bowler who can bat because he'll score runs. But if he's a worse bowler, he's going to concede runs. Mm. So mm. he's just going to make up the runs that by scoring them. But if if you pick Leachy. We might concede a few less runs, so it won't matter that Leachy can't bat. So in, you've got to find the balance of, you know, very might score. Who's got the highest score at Lords, Dan? Who's got the highest score at Lords in the Test match, Leach or Moeing? <laughs> it's Leach, presumably. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, the trouble is, I mean, you know, arguably Moeing is actually a better spin bowler than than Jack Leach. I saw them a couple of years ago at Worcester, and Moeing outbowled Jack in that four-day game. So, there, you know, um, Jack's in, improved since then. But there isn't much to choose between them as, as, as spin bowlers. And, you know, Moeen's batting is, is obviously, you know, decisive factor. And he just be more in with the sort of England in-crowd than our two Somerset players who just seem to be treated as fringe players. You know, um, you very hear, very rarely hear them mentioned as being likely to be called up in, into the team in the event of injuries or loss of form or, or whatever. They just seem to be there to be making up the numbers. It must be hugely, hugely frustrating oh. for them. You know, I don't know whether 
I was talking to Andy Cameron, at, at, who's the groundsman at uh, North Devon. Um, oh yeah, because you're in you're in proper Overton country at the moment, aren't you? Mm. Absolutely, and, and you know, and he was saying he saying he said I don't like to say this, but you do feel that there are people in the ECB and the upper reaches who really do have it in for Somerset and Somerset cricketers. And, and see, we've been telling think. you, Dan, it's not conspiracy theory; it's true. Well, uh, I, I don't like to believe that sort of stuff, but you know, given the way that, that Overton and, and Leach have been treated by the ECB the, this season, you know, people are bound to put two and two together and make at least four and a half. Mm. And it, you know, it's very, it's very depressing. You know, if they were playing for England, great, wonderful to have Somerset players playing for England, but not playing for England, not being available for Somerset, and not playing any cricket at all is the worst of all, you know, of of every world. And there just doesn't seem to be any sign of an end to it, either of them being released to play for Somerset or being put into the England team. Yeah. I feel really sorry for the for the for the pair of them and. and I don't think the ECB have seriously got it in for Somerset, but they're doing their doing their very Can best. You kick Anthony off the Zoom call, Steve. He's not welcome here with sensible <laughs> views like that. But then you could you could argue that it, I think they will reduce the squads if the the COVID protocols get eased. They won't need to have so many in the squad. Well, they have. And yet, then again, because I'm trying to, trying to trying to be positive. Be... Sorry, Steve. Go on. I'm trying to be Mr. Positive here, and I've got this thought of Craig Overton absolutely terrorising Division One batting lineups because he's he's actually had quite a nice mid-season rest and some good technical coaching, and has probably been working on a couple of things. And you know, I'm looking forward to one to him getting Dominic Sibley for a golden pair at Edgbaston at the end of September. You know, I, I, but I think you're you're all right. They've got to release them. They've got to play. You know, otherwise you get the possibility that they could go to Australia and suddenly Overton or Leach playing in the first mm. Test match, having not played a Championship Red Bull game for six months again. What? But I mean, you, you look at the injury to the injury to Mark Wood. If, uh, we don't know how bad it is, but if it keeps him out of the next Test match, I wouldn't mind betting that it's not Overton who gets who takes his place. It's Saj Mahmood. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Since, since Overton, but they will they will go with Mahmood rather than, than Overton. I think they might. If Overton's got to come in for anybody, it'll be for Sam Curran. He yeah, had a pretty dire game at Lords. Yeah, I think if Sam Curran, though, as you tweeted, Ian, so he's in for two years. Yeah, so. exactly. The trouble with with, um, uh, with Curran, he's a fourth seamer. You can't. And I know he's sort of playing as, but he's the fourth seamer that bats at six. He's not your your. He's not an out-and-out fourth seamer, if you see what I mean. No, no. He's a sort of a luxury seamer. And, and just going back to Jack Leach, what really frustrates me about Leach's career is he's never had that sustained run of games in the side. He's never had that trajectory of building his international career on a steady curve. He's in the side, he's out the side. I thought after the winter where he bowled superbly in Sri Lanka and India... That'll be it. He's, he's England's number one spinner now. Mm-hmm. He's earned it. It can't be taken away from him because I've got every confidence that he's going to be in the side and bowling well and bowling well enough to keep his place in the side. What happens? Doesn't play against New Zealand. Doesn't play against India. And then all of a sudden, Moen Ali fancies playing test cricket again. And he's in on the back of some 
white ball form. Yeah. What yeah. was the stat? He hasn't played a first class game in England for like two years or something, or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, do you think probably I think that game Brooks... at Worcester that Anthony was referring to a couple of years ago was pretty much the end of his. Yeah. Ashes test, I think. Ashes twenty first test of the twenty nineteen Ashes, I think, would have been that moment's last one. I right. think. Oh no, he played um, in the winter, didn't he? Uh... Yeah, yeah, in England though. It would have oh been yeah, last in one, England. Yeah. Think. yeah. yeah. Um, just going back to Leach, um, I think Leach would have played the first test against India and the second test if Stokes was fit. I think that's what's killed him because mm-hmm. Stokes would have played and they'd have been able to balance the side. And pick well, Stokes, Stokes is on Twitch every night now, playing Call of Duty. Yeah. Oh. Good for him. Are you, are you a follower of Twitch, Anthony? I'm afraid not. <laughs> oh, Twi- so Twitch basically is people stream themselves playing video games online and chat to people. So that's what Ben Stokes is up to in the evening now. Um, cool. Playing Call of Duty. Or at least he was last night. I don't know if he's... Let's hope it's good for his mental health. Well, eh? let's hope so, yeah. I mean, if um, mm. hopefully he's back sooner rather than later so we can get the balance back in that team and and get Jack and Craig in. Jack in, yeah. But just so, so frustrating. Especially when England are losing as well. Wow. I mean, they were absolutely diabolical on that last day. And if you're telling me that Dom Sibley's a better player than Tom Abel, then... It's ridiculous, isn't it? It's, it's just completely barmy. Mm. Oh, but anyway, we do have to remember we're a pro-Somerset not an anti-England podcast, but it's very difficult sometimes when the when the two seem to go hand in. If my dad was if my dad was still alive and listening to this, Ian, he would say the two go hand in hand. If yeah. you're pro Somerset, you have to be you have to, you are forced over life to be anti-England because it goes back long before even I started watching when there were Somerset players who were absolutely stellar county cricketers who didn't get within a sniff of the England side. Um, <laughs> there was the season I remember was. The first or second season I started watching when Roy Virgin was scoring runs, it was only the fact that Glenn Turner at Worcestershire got to a thousand at the end of May that eclipsed mm. him, I think. Scoring runs for fun. England needed an opening batsman. They called him up and then he was 12th man for a couple of games. And he never got close to the England side again. And that was a crying shame because I think if he'd got in and his form suffered and then he left and he went to North Hans and it just, it just damages people. And there's many, many examples I could... I could bore you all with a Art Lathwell. Yeah. Yeah, picked him a year too late, didn't they? Well, they mm. shouldn't. If they if uh, I'm not sure he was ready at all, mm. but you know, he should have been looked after much better than, than he was and, and still, which mm. he was almost ostracized by mm. that group of players. And uh, well it ruined his career. He retired yeah. young, didn't he? He did. He's post, yeah. postman in your neck of the woods, uh, or not your neck of the but where you are now. He's post posty yeah, in Broughton. No, Broughton, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And he's, he's given up cricket altogether now, which is very yeah. sad. Next question then. Uh, Andy Luce, uh, do we need another overseas for the T20 and Championship? I think the answer is a resounding yes, Andy. Heard rumours on the grapevine that something was imminent to be announced. Not heard anything further to do that. Do you think yet. it's Do you think it's waiting until that competition that shall not be named is over? I oh, yeah, I agree with that, Steve. I think yeah, I think our our mystery man or woman would be a man. Chris, Chris, <laughs> no, we can't. Dan, we can't play an overseas in the T Twenty now, can we? Because they've got to play mm, in the group no. phase. No, it would have so to we're be just talking about the, the champo. Yeah, 
Yeah, so they will probably be waiting for the for the hundred to finish, which would lead you to assume that our mystery man is playing in the hundred. Mm. Presumably, as a batsman. Yeah. Well, having not watched much of it, I can't. <laughs> yeah, give I, you I, was, much of I was trying to think who's uh, uh, Quinton de Cox in it. That's as is, is he ever open for South Africa? It, it, South yeah. Africa got a series coming up anyway, so I don't. Oh, think it's Ah, black mark against him then. <laughs> um, I'll, have, I'll have a look at the squads and see. Any day soon. Out. Any day soon. Yeah, won't have to. Yeah, we've only got uh, well, the hundred finishes on Saturday, does it? So mm -hmm. Sunday, the clouds will clear, the sun will shine through, and we won't have to deal with that for another eleven months. Oh, <sighs> my God. Uh, Jerry Dolan, where's Jack Leach's test career going now? Moen is drafted in, and Root clearly doesn't rate him. I think we had a long old chat about that. It's almost like you read that one before. Not looking, but it's just the natural flow of the conversation. Steve. Yeah. Andy Cleves, only got two questions tonight. Must try harder next week, Andy. Uh, your <laughs> thoughts on the county schedule for next season? No ideal scenarios with a competition that won't be named to fit in. If reports are to be believed, 12 of the 18 counties are in favour of another conference system, which is disappointing. Uh, the flaws with the conference system are well documented and although two divisions with promotion and relegation has flaws too my opinion along with many others is there are less dead runners dead well, runners he means I think I think oh, runners. after yeah, dead after runners of... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's a dead I think well? by the time we get to mid-September some of those views will have changed yeah yeah because there will be 12 counties who will be looking at Division 1, which is going to get all the attention, and thinking, this isn't working for us. Yeah, because they'll just be, them and their fans will just realise that this is all pointless. Like, it was just the mm. youngsters having a bit of fun, you know. The trouble like, is, is there anything yeah. different to playing in Division 2 and 3 of the conference system playing meaning, meaningless games in that and, and being low to mid-table in Division 2 of a two-division championship? There is a difference. I, I yeah, suppose there's a big difference. Every team will, will vote for it, will vote for a conference system or the Division 2 sides will on the basis that if they vote for a two-division system they'll go back to Division 2 and have no chance of winning the county championship but if they vote for the conference system at least every county's got a chance of winning it mm. by virtue of their being the other problem the other problem for some of these these lesser counties and, and i only say that in terms of where they are in the championship at the moment is if you have the conference system another year and as say five out of the same six make it into division one you're just then going to have the problem that certain players at other counties who want to progress their career are going to say i've got to be playing in division one in this conference system I've got to go to one of mm. those teams, which is the argument against two divisions. Yeah. So and there's only really less. Yeah. Really yep. six to go to rather than eight or yep. nine <laughs> or ten. The, the, the thing, the whole thing has to be structured around England having Red Bull ready players available. If the aim of the championship, which we all think it is, his primary aim is to provide England with test match cricketers, you've got, you know, you've got to have test match uh, county championship cricket being played in the run-up to the tests mm -hmm. so that means you've got to shift the, the one day cup to the start of the season which again if it's going to be a development competition and, and you know you're going to have a 
You might even make it a quota and have to have so well, many players. Adam of a certain... Collins suggested playing the One Day Cup in Dubai pre-season to accommodate the hundred. <laughs> no. Mm. No. Let's play the hundred in Outer Mongolia in the middle of December, and we'll have our one day, we'll have our county one day cup back. Thank you very much. And the the, the one day cup has been a huge success because at grounds, good crowds. Lots of counties have had good crowds. I mean, some of us have been stellar as you would expect, but lots of counties have had good crowds. Oh, Will, been Will, really Will Slade was out first ball. Oh no! Really exciting, really Sorry. exciting games. So you know. I don't, the in the old days, the Benson Hedges Cup used to start the season. You used to play all the group games of the BNH Cup before the championship started. I think you've got to also play the T Twenty in a block. You've got to, you know, you get say say we get Baba over again to play in the T Twenty next year. He's got to be available so that we can play him in the quarterfinals and the finals day, yeah. rather than say thanks for what you've done, Baba. Can you come back in mid September for a weekend because we need you then? It's just yeah, reacclimatising and all that just doesn't make sense. Well, there's speculation that the ECB are planning to um, to run the T20 immediately before the hundred and to finish it before the hundred. So you have the, you know, through through I presume sort of late May June, you would play the hundred with the final with finals day at the end of end of June early early July, and then you play the hundred on the back of that. Um, but quite where that leaves four day candy cricket, I'm not sure. Because um, the worry then, Anthony, is you're playing four day county cricket when the hundreds on. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's Which my big worry. I really do not want to see four day cricket at the same time with the hundred. That will ruin the county championship, the entire competition. It won't just be those games that are a bit crap. It ruin the integrity of the entire competition. Mm. So that yeah. would just be horrible. Like, and it would also be pointless. There's no point in playing four day cricket at the same time as the hundred and the test series to benefit England. The, the way you benefit England is to play four day cricket before the tests. Because the four-day cricket played during the 100 and during the Test Series will just be second-team, well, not second-team players, you know, it'll be younger players. And the players who may get into the Test team are mostly going to be in the 100 anyway. You know, it's only like, oh, there's a couple yeah. like Jake Libby and Bracey who'd be playing a bit of championship cricket in that period. But th what benefit are they going to get anyway from playing, no. you know, um, uh, weak weakened bowling attacks? So there's, there's not really much point in playing it during. It's got, the one-day cup has to stay where it is, I think. I think championship you just needs to start the blast a bit early and have a couple more extra rounds of championship games during sort of June, July, um, mm. leading into the into the, um, into the the 100. And you can sort of have the quarterfinals and finals day sort of in between those few championship games. Um, but the other thing that's going... There's one more thing. The, the other thing that's going to throw the schedule into a bit of... Just, just you know, the, the, make the schedule a bit harder to do will be the Commonwealth Games, which is being played in late July, early August next year, and that's how, that has women's cricket in it. And I'm not sure they're going to want to play that during the hundred period because a lot of <coughs> women's cricket. Yep. So uh, yeah, there's this. They're honestly scheduling is so hard, and it's going to be even harder than usual next year, I think, for them. Just going know. back to what you said about playing the championship in the middle of the hundred. There's a world of difference between asking 17, 18-year-old quick bowlers to come up and play um, list A one-day cricket and mm -hmm. play... Oh, three, yeah. three spells a day for a yeah. run of three weeks or I something. Think, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think they might even not be allowed to by the ECB regulations. Certainly under-19s, I think the, the rules go up to about how many you can bowl in a day and how many in a spell mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. But yeah, asking young lads to come up and do that would be would be a very tough ask, and it's a much different skill set bowling in 
in Red Bull cricket. Look at Casey Aldridge when he came in for the Leicester game. He bowled well, but you just felt that he didn't quite have have the the nous, and he just wasn't quite ready at that level yet. So I think I absolutely agree. And playing the championship at the same time as the hundred is just it's it would ruin almost everything. like they sit in their offices up at Laws and go, "What can we do to annoy county fans this week?" Because the thing that would happen would be if it happened this year. Essex would have had a huge advantage. I mean, I know they may have been in Division 2 or whatever, but if it had been a two-division championship this year, Essex would have had a huge advantage because they barely lost any players to the 100, where we mm-hmm. lost loads because we have good all-format players. Essex seemed to have good four-day players. So Essex would have got a big advantage from that, and it just ruined the entire the integrity of the whole competition, and it could make it non-competitive, you know, towards the end of the season. like It's just a horrible idea. And the thing is, county championship is what takes up most of the season. Most of the days of cra- county cricket is county championship. Mm-hmm. So if you take a few players out of a few games, or lots of players out of a few games, every single day of that season just feels a bit devalued because you're like, oh, we're winning games early in the season, but this might mean nothing later on. So you get less yeah. of the thrill of winning. You know, it just ruins yeah. the sport. And that, you know, sport is about enjoyment and integrity. That's you know, you've got to have integrity yeah. for enjoyment. Yeah, you know? integrity is the word. They yeah. could as well. They could easily shave a week or two off the hundred by doubling up and having two games a day. Is there a real just, pressing need to have every day be solely devoted to one game? Well, two games because the women were there. Yeah, but or it is. I yeah, did but, see. Yeah. I did see they are considering having more games per day next year, or having earlier games on weekdays, because apparently there's a bit of a market for these daytime summer holiday games. So that's kind of encouraging. And I wonder, like, if they add a new franchise, I hope they don't expand the hundred. You know, I hope they just keep keep it in the same window or produce the window even. Yeah. Can we put some sort of barricade on the M5? No hundred, <laughs> no hundred past here. Sedgemore <laughs> well, services will yeah. put a barricade across. There's four lovely billboards on Priory Avenue that we might have to crowdfund if uh, a <laughs> hundred ever gets played at Taunton in a led by donkey style. Moving on. Oh, we've, uh, where are we now? I've, uh, lost me place totally. Whose question was that? That was Andy's question, wasn't it? Uh, where are we? Chris Payne. I wonder if the six Division One teams this season are pro or anti-conference system group. I had a good little chat about that just now. That's a good question. That's a really good question. I'm a set of pro two divisions and anti-conference. Yeah. I think they'll run it. I think they'll run the conference system for another year and then then reevaluate. Then they would be well past the threshold of saying that the two. The first division and the second division from nineteen twenty nineteen is is valid. Then that'd be an interesting. Uh... Nah, just go for it. I think just go for it. Gloucester <laughs> North fans earned it. Just just go for it. I, unless you, the only way you can say, only way you can change it is to say in advance of the season. Right, we are going to go back to two divisions next year. So this year you're fighting out. That's the only way that can work for me. If yeah. can we just ask Anthony if Nottinghamshire were to win the conference based championship this season and or next season. We need him to get Dave Bracegirdle on as a guest because we could just all sit here and listen to Dave for a de- an hour. <laughs> if not, then had to start in Division 2 the following season. That would be... <laughs> I think there'd be a book in that for Anthony and I to write about. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's just... It's farcical. It's farcical. If, it, if they're going to do it, if they're going to have the conference... 
they'd have to announce it at the start of next season if they're going to. Yep. They, might do this. I mean, if we have a conference uh, system, then the conf- the outcome of the conference system will determine who gets yep. into which division in the following season. And I think yeah. that's so that would make the- Division Two a little bit more spicy because you'd have two the top two in Division Two or top three, whatever they decide to do, would go into the top of the new two division championship. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think that's quite a quite a plausible scenario. You could even say the winner of Division 3 might sneak in there as well, just to give them yeah. something to play for as well. That's very UA for Nations League, that is. Well, you mm. know. Uh, Mike Unwin, what part did the outcome uh, of the... Uh, what part in the outcome of the group quarterfinals, semi-final stages of the Royal London Cup did the 100 have? Quite a big one, Mike. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to say, yeah. bloody massive one. Yeah. We'd have walked it if we'd had half our players available. We, uh, we might have been, actually. Uh, good one jo- Sorry. Sorry would have been pretty useful. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There would have been some strong sides out there, definitely. Mm. Are we saying England... We're allowing England call-ups, but not 100 call-ups? Yeah. So Yorkshire having Root and Bairstow, and oh, that would have been a strong team with those two. Interesting hypothetical. Anyway, John Hayes, uh, is Tom Abel capable of batting at number three for England? Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Yes. Sorry, well, you never know until he plays, though. <laughs> well, no, no, but he's capable. He is capable. Yeah, Whether he so. fulfilled that capability or that potential. But yeah. I don't think it would look. But, quite but actually, as again, this is a bugbear of mine. Hasib Hamid, who's. It's called buckets of runs opening for knots the last two seasons. You pick him, you bat him three. Yeah. And although I, I very rarely, even in my young days, opened the batting or batted three because I'd have had nosebleeds for life if I'd have batted that high up. But there's a big difference between opening and batting at three. Oh, and yeah. you bring the guy back in, you ask him to play in the Lord's Test, and you go, oh, by the way, do you mind batting at three? Uh, again, it, to me, it's it's like, you know, England pick Jack Grealish and say, can you do us a job at centre-half for a couple of games, please, Jack? It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, opening the bat and it's just, boom, you're out there, you're setting the tone, you haven't yeah. really got time to think. Number three, is, well, it's back to Tom Abel and Somerset. You're normally in there in the second over anyway. Exactly. <laughs> batting at three <laughs> yeah. for England. So, yeah. But it's just that sitting down, that extra little bit of time just to think. and It's, it's rhythm and yeah, what you're used to. And, and more sort of if you're that sort of character who gets a bit twitchy the more you're sat down getting nervous it, you want to be open you just want to be straight out there there's something very psychological about batting positions I remember um, back in 2015 Somerset batted Michael Bates at number three in one match and that was to get everyone else into their correct position basically rather than shunting four up to three five up to four etc we just thought no we'll put Bates from nine to three as a <laughs> you know a, a you know a way, you know a batsman we know is not very good so you know, but just keeps everyone else in their in their right positions, really. How many did he get? Well, they, did, he didn't get many. Ollie Pope, didn't <laughs> they? Mm. England did that with Ollie Pope when he first came into the side, batting him at number three, which was you know a ridiculous thing to do. But I think that again was just to get everybody else in the right places. There we go. We are out of questions. Is Tom able to batting at right. hundred yet? He is not. Allen and Livingstone. 97 or 78. How was your day at Insto today, Anthony, watching the stragglers against North Devon? Cold. 
cold. cold. It can get cold up at Instow. Cold and windy it was, but it, the ground looked a, looked a picture, picture, and there were some, some very exciting young North Devon batsmen who were carting it all over the place. So, yeah, it was good. Yeah. yeah, it's a lovely part of the world. When it's sunny, I've been up there when it's when it's blowing a hoolie and it is it gets pretty chilly. Yeah. Do we have any other business guys? Only to say well done to Polly Rhodes. Oh yes. Probably yeah. the only Polly, success yes. in the England setter. Did get an England cap. Did you get a cap for scoring? You probably get like a pencil topper to go on the end of your pencil, a little England official. She's probably got an ECB set of coloured pens now, I should imagine. Do they that, is it all on the laptop now, or do they still do the the old Bill Frindle lineal method? Polly, Polly still has the manual sheets. I know that much. She does both. She does both. Yeah. Ah, right. yeah. Oh my goodness! It's on the uh, and it's done electronically. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on the injury list at the moment, so I scored uh, for South Devon first. And I, I tried it with a laptop the first time. It's, it's if you're used to scoring normally, it's really boring doing it on a laptop because you haven't got to. Keep going round and making sure everything adds up. You just click dot ball, enter. Look out, Polly. Mr. Shepherd is coming <laughs> for you. Trust me, I've not, got, I've not got the patience to do it. I, I, everybody always said, oh, I'd love to oh, I'd love a job at Somerset. I'd love to do this or that at Somerset. But it's actually work and you have, I don't have a lot of time to watch the cricket, which is... Mm. Yeah, maybe probably. maybe my call earlier, actually given the choice between Ian scoring for Somerset and being a steward, we'd go for the stewarding there. <laughs> <laughs> I could do both if you have an app on, app on your phone I could just be tapping away there while I'm chucking some drunk guys out <laughs> mm. yeah absolutely <laughs> I won't be chucking my application form in any time soon right we are going to reconvene before the or sometime before the quarter final next week yep. where hopefully Tom Abel will be fit and we will it will feel like we've signed about eight or nine new players we'll have to reacquaint ourselves with all these strange faces coming back to the Cooper Associates County Ground uh, where hopefully we'll keep them all till the rest of the season uh, to steward our challenge for the County Championship gents it's been a pleasure as always if we haven't got anything you, else Ian. shall we bid each other farewell and we'll catch up yeah. what we say Tuesday next week yeah that's, that'll be fine lovely yeah. job See you all in a week's time, guys. Yeah, Take care, everyone. Right. Bye. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't go anywhere, don't go anywhere, don't go anywhere. So what you just heard was Tuesday evening. It's now Wednesday lunchtime. We've reconvened upon hearing the news that Somerset have re-signed Azar Ali for the final three championship games and the Bob Willis Trophy final as well, if we make it to that. Um He's not available for the first game. I think that's because the West Indies tour for Pakistan finishes on the 24th of August. And I assume he'll have to do some sort of isolation period coming into the UK, which would uh, rule him out of that game. But uh, what was. Uh, I've got Stephen Anthony with me at the moment. Dan might be joining in a second. But uh, what, yeah, what was your um, first thoughts on hearing that news, uh, Steve? I was, I was, it was weird, wasn't it? Because it was like. Okay, incoming, exciting, and then oh, it's Azar again, and then it's oh, fantastic, it's Azar again because I think it ticks all the boxes. Um, you know, he was a bit of a lucky charm for us. We won a trophy in the year he was with us, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I know he's quite close to the captain and has been in touch, and I suspect he's he will just come and fit back in. Um, and given what was available, his skills. 
you know, proven Red Bull player mm-hmm. at that time of the season, an opening batsman. Well done, well done, Sarge and Jace and everyone at the club. Very happy. Yeah, um, just to refresh you of Azza's record for Somerset, uh, 16 games, this is first class cricket, 16 games, 29 innings, 746 runs, a best of 125 and averaging 28.69, 105.50s. Dan has just popped in, Dan, we're recording. Uh, yep. So we, we Steve's a bit tight for time on his lunch break, so we, we popped in. Um, we started going, um, Anthony, what was your first uh, thoughts on hearing the news? <laughs> Well, very similar to Steve's, actually. Initially, I was a bit underwhelmed, <laughs> thinking of Atarali. But then, you know, reflecting on it, he's, he's, a, he's a useful batsman, more than useful batsman. He's a test quality batsman. He's a known quantity in Somerset. He was very popular when he was, when he was here. Um, his, he didn't set the world on fire. I mean, an average of 28 point something is not what you would expect. But um, he's a solid citizen, and uh, he will certainly... Uh, strengthen Somerset's top order batting, and um, I think you know it, it, it's a good signing. It's a good safe <laughs> signing. It's not it's not overwhelmingly exciting, but uh, it's a good good solid signing. Yeah, can't disagree with that, Dan. What were your first thoughts on hearing the news? Yeah, I don't know if um, Steve mentioned it, but um, you know I think last time he struggled a bit in seeming conditions in April and May. And I think this time, September, will suit him a lot better um, with more worn pitches, you know, playing, playing on spinning wickets a bit more, perhaps. You know, and yeah, as Anthony said, he's, he's, a, he's, he's really bought into the team. You know, he was a real team man. He, he, he was popular in the dressing room. So, yeah, and I think, yeah, he's a solid sign. We could have risked it and gone for someone completely new, completely different. But then it's not really the time for that. I think it's a perfectly good signing to strengthen the side. Um, and that's what we needed, really, because our batting is... You know, as we know, it's been a bit flaky. Um, it'll still be a bit flaky, but he'll improve it. I think. You know, that's that's. Yeah, you know, he's not going to solve all the problems, but you know, it will be a bit more solid. I think with him, uh, presumably opening the batting. Yeah, I gives remember- you a left left right opening partnership, yeah. and it gives you the option of either opening with Steve Davis or batting him at seven and opening with Lamanby, doesn't it? So there's a few options there, and of course his leg spin because remember he got five for Worcester in the. The quarter-final of the one-day cup, so you yeah. never know. Just what we need, another spin away well. from the right-handers. <laughs> Anthony, I've just got to say, Anthony's on a on a brewery tour at the moment. He's drinking a pint of... It's 12.35 in the afternoon. Anthony's drinking a pint of, of something that looks rather rather delicious. What have you got there, Gibbo? Mm. This is a pint of Madrigal... What's it called? Madrigal, Madrigal what? Madrigal ice IPA. It's unfined, so it looks a bit cloudy, but it tastes delicious. And we've just been at the Coombe Brewery up uh, near Munnacock Cross. <laughs> so we're doing we're doing a bit of a bit of a brewery tour. The weather's awful here in North Devon, but the beer's good. Oh, we've all quickly nipped out of work from our lunch breaks, and Kibbo's uh, grab, literally grab having a piss up in a brewery. And a sandwich, oh. and Anthony's <laughs> drinking IPA in the. Outside of brewery, yeah, living the dream. Oh, definitely. Oh, f- fantastic! Yeah, so fantastic. Do, we, do we think this? Do we think this improves our chances of winning the title? Because I do. I think it's a. Yeah. I think it's something. You know, we needed an overseas. We needed an opener. Um, we couldn't have Devon Conway because of injury, and even if he hadn't been injured, that might have been an issue. And I think you've got to, as Dan said, it's it's a really good 
solid option. Mm -hmm. And I think the the intangibles are, are huge because I know when he said his, <laughs> when he was here, his family really enjoyed being here. Mm -hmm. He's playing red ball cricket at the moment, okay, in the West Indies, but you know, mm -hmm. he's not been playing white ball. Billy Bash cricket, and yeah. that surely that will help the transition. I assume Dan, he won't be available for the Knots game because we were saying because of travel and protocols. Yeah, they and said then, at least three games, didn't yeah. they? So I'm guessing they're just a bit uncertain because the, the last West Indies test um, finishes on the 24th of August. Knots game starts the 30th of August, so it's mm. maybe a bit of a tight turnaround. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, just wondering if he if he went to Pakistan and then came to England, he would presumably. I'm not sure what traffic light system Pakistan and West Indies are on at the moment mm -hmm. I think West Indies is more or less green so if he came straight from the West Indies he might be okay if he went for a stopover back in Pakistan he might have to isolate so maybe they're just trying to, mm -hmm. to sort that You'll presumably have to do moment. a test when he arrives and if you mm -hmm. hope that's negative that will speed the process up but whether it speeds it up enough to be available for the knots game is in doubt I think Yeah just going back to what you said about him fitting in with the, with the culture and everything at the club Absolutely agree. I remember seeing his, his kids sat in the dugout, um, sort of pestering, uh, pestering some of the senior players during a game uh, a couple of seasons ago. Yeah, I think he's an absolutely uh, a wonderful signing. I, did any of us come up with his name when we were trying to work out who it no, could be? No, no. <laughs> I think that I, I too well on us, Dan, it? Dan said about you know different tours and uh, and in my head was just well he's in the West Indies and I did <laughs> think of the name. But then I thought he was in the West Indies, you know, but that was because I'm not very imaginative. And I was thinking Azar and Renshaw and Baba and people like that. Yeah, we than... were sort of focusing on players who would come straight out of the, the uh -huh. other place and into uh, yeah. and into our side. But uh, yeah, well done to uh, uh, Andy Hurry, Jason Kerr, Gordon Hollins, the powers that be for uh, getting Azza to sign mm -hmm. on the dotted line. I think we all agree that's uh, a very good sign-in. Uh, very, what's the word I'm looking for? It's quite low risk. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's quite low risk, isn't it? He, we know what he's about. Fits in with the culture. Knows everybody. He's going to fit in. Uh, he's going to take to it like a duck to water, and lead us to championship glory. Here, here. Let's hope so. Absolutely. Right. So. Yes. Here's to Azar Ali. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. What have I got? My can of factors is empty. Well, I put it in the bin from last night. Yeah, we'll have a virtual yeah. toast to, to Azar Ali and championship success. Um, yeah, unless yeah. there's any further breaking news this afternoon, I probably won't try and reconvene us all for a tea time podcast. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for getting together at such short notice, guys. And um, thanks, to, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. This is definitely the end of the podcast now, and we'll catch you all next week. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, Ian. Well done. Thanks. Enjoy your day, Anthony. Thank you. I will. <laughs>